You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. Well, it's great to have you with us this morning. Whether you're in the room or whether you're listening online, uh, I distinctly hope this morning that your Centro experience is a life-giving one. This morning, uh, I'm not going to preach a message so much as I'm going to share my heart. It's sort of off with the preacher hat and on with the pastor hat for the next uh, 40 minutes or so. I want to share with you this morning what my prayer is for you. If you were to sit down and have a cup of tea with me and you were to ask me, say, I come along to this church week in, week out, or maybe you're here for the first time as uh, was just identified a moment ago, and you were to ask me, what is the takeaway? What do you hope happens in my life? How does the effect of being a part, or what is the effect of being a part of this church on my life? And I've got five things this morning I want to share with you. Five sincere prayers that I pray for you. In fact, I pray these prayers for anybody who is dear to my heart and anybody who I love. And so that just doesn't include you. It also includes my children, but it does include you. So uh, uh, I, I want to share with you something that happens uh, in a prayer closet between me and God, uh, week in, week out. And hopefully this might spark something in you. The first thing I pray for you is this, is that you experience a courageous act of obedience that costs you something. You see, when your faith becomes so vanilla, it kind of doesn't really matter anymore. But from time to time, I hope that you've experienced this. I've experienced this. If you've been walking with the Lord for really any time at all, my sneaking suspicion is that you have experienced that internal nudge of the Holy Spirit on that uh, inside of your heart. I hope that you've had that sense in which you go, you know, I, I feel I should do this. I really feel I'm being pushed in this direction. Not manufactured by something that's coming from uh, within you. Not just a, an emotional response to something that has annoyed you or something that has moved you. But this internal, a positive response to an internal direction of the Holy Spirit. Here's the truth of the fact, folks. If you have not experienced this in recent times, and if you can hardly or barely remember the last time when you had this internal move of God to take on a direction, then your faith is at best boring. At, uh, at worst, your faith is atrophying. It's actually dying. Your faith is dying. And unfortunately, often we see people who experience church for a long time, but over a while it just becomes so matter of kind of fact, just so uh, uh, predictable that their faith literally starts to die. I'm talking about something that will make you look silly, something that will, it, it, will, uh, it will threaten your security, so to speak if you were to follow through with this internal uh, voice that is on the inside of your heart. But this is my prayer for you. My prayer is that you go deep. And deep 
you might think, what is the deep things of God? The deep things of God are not found in confusing information. Uh, you might have grown up in a church and somebody preached a message and you went home and you thought to yourself, I have no idea what they were on about this morning. And your husband said on the way home, oh, that's okay, darling, he was very deep. <laughs> well, no, he wasn't deep. He was confusing. Confusing doesn't equal deep. What equals deep is when you say yes to that sense on the inside of you that you need to step out in God. That's where deep lies. Deep is not about a uh, truckload of information. Deep is not about learning more facts. Deep is when you are in over your head. Deep is when you cannot touch the bottom. Deep is the result of saying yes to that internal nudge of God on the inside of you. I don't want your Christian experience to be mundane and predictable. I want you in over your head. Because when you're in over your head, you know what happens? I'll tell you what happens. When you're in over your head, you haven't got to try to develop a prayer life. You're just praying because your life depends on it. It's kind of, there's not that sense in which, oh, you know, I'm trying to pray. You know, I get in there and I pray for five minutes and then my mind starts to wander and I, I really can't focus on my prayer. No, no, the problem is not reading some book and learning how to pray. The problem is you need to get deep. So when you're in over your head, you have to look up. And when you look up, you focus on God. When you're in deep, not only is your prayer life motivated internally not only are you living a life that's not kind of well i suppose i ought to pray but you come to a meeting like this and we sing a song like we've just sung you know i come to the father's uh, arms i come to the altar into your arms god and and, and, and your tears start to well up on the side of, of your eye and you well that song means so much to me and you, you tell your your spouse on the way home or your, your friend on the way home Oh, I just love that song. It means so much to me. And they, we've been singing that song for years. We've sung the song many times. Oh, yeah, no, but it was just something. When you're in deep, it's funny how worship goes beyond just the reading of words on a screen and the modulating your voice to a tune. It now is coming from within you because you're in deep. When you're in deep, you sit in meetings like this and you open your pen, you open your, your, your iPhone or you get your pad and your pen out and, and you're writing stuff down because you are living by every word that God speaks. You're looking for something because you're in over your head. You're in deep. It's when the expression of your faith intersects with the faithfulness of God. And I pray this for you. I, I pray that this doesn't necessarily have to happen on a weekly basis. This, this arguably doesn't happen um, every month. But I, I pray that if not once a year, maybe at least once every second year, that you put yourself into a vulnerable circumstance where if you fall over, there's gonna be a price to pay. And if you do, I guarantee you that you'll have a story to tell.
I guarantee you that when you share with your family, when you talk about it with your friends, there'll be passion. There'll be a sense of excitement. I guarantee you this will be a line in the sand and you will never again be the same. I pray that you have a deep experience with God through this act of obedience. The problem is the older we get, the more that there is at stake. The older we get, the easier it is just to give money, frankly. (laughs) Because the older you get, the less financial pressure you're you're under potentially. And so I, I can write a check or I can make a deposit. I can contribute that way. It's clean. It's at a distance. It doesn't involve my life. But the older you get, the more danger you're in of your faith becoming vanilla and your faith becoming boring. And you listen to Bible stories and you hear Lazarus. And you go, oh, Lazarus, I know what's going to happen. He's going to come back from the dead. <laughs> I got it under control. You hear stories about Noah. And you go, oh, yes, that's right. It's going to rain. They're going to be stuck in the ark. But I know eventually the rain will subside. I know what's going to happen. And, and you become just a little bit too, can I say, cynical? Can, can, can I? I don't want to get too into your face but you complain about too much that doesn't really matter. Do you know why? Because you're becoming boring. (laughs) You're becoming old before your years because it's been just too long since you had a courageous act of obedience that cost you something and something atrophying on the inside of you. Think of a child, and I know you don't like to think of yourself in terms of a child. But imagine a two-year-old child that's getting to a point where the child needs to, to, to begin to walk. And the child takes a step and falls over and thinks to itself, oh, that was embarrassing. Oh, my goodness. All my cousins can walk. The kid across the road can walk. I tried walking. Didn't work. You know all that talk about one foot in front of the other? It's rubbish. I've tried. It doesn't work. Walking's not for me. I'm a sitter. Sitting is my gift. I have the gift of sitting. I don't get into this walking business. I tried it once. Woohoo! Complete and utter disaster. You know, I'm starting to now sample different foods and my culinary uh, uh, aspects are growing and I'm enjoying this. You know, it's not just mothers. I'm not going to be sick of that. going to be boring. But now I'm getting cans of this and cans of that. And I'm quite enjoying it. Mum's dragging me where I need to go. I might want to get over the nappy thing. That's a little bit there, but you know. Other than that, I'm pretty happy, pretty, pretty confident, pretty uh, okay with where life is at right now. So let those others do the walking. Plenty of people here who can do the walking. I'm just going to do the sitting. Now, Imagine if you thought like that. Fast forward 10 or 15 years, and where is the development of that child going to be at? You see, walking is fundamental to most of the activities that you've involved yourself in, in the development of your life. Now, I'm not saying if you don't walk, you can't develop, but you get my, you get my drift. 
If, if you've got this 15 or 20 year old child that cannot walk, imagine how their development has been threatened and undermined. And, and all I'm saying is you have no idea how important your next step is on where God wants you in 10 years time. That's my point. My point is, my point is, folks, that you might be able to get away with it now and go, oh, no, I can't be bothered. Oh, no, I don't have to. It's okay. There's plenty of others. And that might be true. But in 10 years' time, God will need you at a point that you will not be able to develop simply because you didn't take that step 10 years ago. Here's the truth of the matter, folks. The risk in not taking that step is far greater than the risk of putting yourself in danger now. If you don't take that risk now in 10 years' time, you will be at risk. Some of you need to get involved. Some of you need to quit your job and start the business. So, some of you need to leave that relationship that you know you should, but you just can't get there. I'm telling you, listen to me now. If you, leave your, if you get out of that relationship that you shouldn't be in, I'm going to tell you right now that your relationship with God will increase exponentially. You know, one day Jesus meets this guy random in the crowd, and, and he settles on up to him. And he says this to him. He says, follow me in Luke chapter 9 and verse 59. And the man's response is remarkable. Man's response shows he has no idea of the future. The man says this. The man says, but he replied, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Now, does that sound like a legitimate excuse to you? Does that sound kind of like fair enough? Now, let me tell you something. His father wasn't dead because in this culture, once you were dead, they buried you immediately. You know, Jesus off the cross buried him immediately. So his father's not dead. Now, whether he's sick, whether he had to go and organize his medication, whether he had to go and sort out the will, we don't know. But this is what we know. What he was saying to Jesus was this. I've got to get some things sorted. I've got to get some things worked out. Sorted out, worked out. Sorted out, worked out. When? I do, then I will. When I do, then I will. Some of you in this room have the when and then mentality to the obedience to the Holy Spirit. When I finish, when the kids leave home, when the house is paid off, when I get the job, when she says yes, when this happens, then I will. You have a when and then approach to obedience to God. To continue the point, a couple of verses later, Jesus says to another, um, come and uh, follow me. And he says, Lord, let me first go and say, uh, let me first go back and say goodbye to my family. Again, a when and then mentality. I've got a few things I've got to get sorted out with my family. Surely you're positive towards family, Jesus. Isn't that fair enough? What these guys had no idea about is what they just lost by hesitating in their, in their affirmative response to Jesus Christ. They have no idea what they just lost. In fact, so much so that Jesus says this in uh, Luke 9.60. He says, let the dead bury their own dead. 
but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. That sounds harsh. That sounds harsh to us. Maybe even harsh in this culture. But Jesus was inviting these two men to be a part of history. He'd seen other men who he'd said, come and follow me, and they'd done so. One of those young boys, his name was John. We all know somebody called John, don't we? <laughs> One of those boys, his name was Peter. We all know somebody called Peter, don't we? One of his boys, one of those boys was named James. We all know somebody called James. What was those guys' names who said no? No, you've got no idea, have you? Nobody knows even their names. My point is, those who said yes, almost the majority of the Western world is named after them. <laughs> it seemed like that to me growing up. There was always three Johns in most school um, grades I was in. <laughs> but those boys became so famous that mothers and fathers 2,000 years later would be naming their children after them. These boys literally changed the world. I mean, today, one third of the world's population, two billion people claim to be followers of Jesus and it rests on the shoulders of these few boys who said yes to Jesus. And these two blokes could have been part of it. And yet, oh, they had other stuff on. And it seemed so legitimate. Their excuses seemed so legitimate didn't it? I got to bury my father. Got to sort out things with my family. I, I, I'll, I'll say yes, Jesus, but it's, it, it, it's just not right now. It's, it's, it's when, and, and then it's then. But of course, the reality was, it became never. It was never. <laughs> because of the when and then mentality, what you gain by hesitating does not compare with what you'll gain by saying yes. No matter how much you felt hurt, no matter how much disappointment you may have had, the longer you put off saying yes, the more cynical and the colder your heart becomes. My first prayer for you, and I've got five, and the other four won't take as long as that one. <laughs> but my first prayer for you is that you know what it is to have a courageous act of obedience, something that you don't sort of dream up out of your own mind or a reaction, but a positive response to what God is doing in your life. Prayer number one. My, pr my second prayer for you is this, that at some point in your, in your Christian walk, you will experience the thrill of knowing you were instrumental in others coming to faith, that you will know the thrill that you were that, that it is to be instrumental in others coming to faith. Now I, I pray that you'll be able to look back on that time when you had that cup of coffee with that person. Or you'll be able to look at that time when you ran into this uh, person who was in the hospital across the road out of the car park <laughs> and you prayed for them and you invited them to church. Or, or, or that time when you met that person in that situation and you, you saw that they were in need and you, you offered them some advice based around 
Jesus Christ. That time you brought somebody to church. I, I, I pray that you don't die without being involved in the faith journey, being instrumental in another human being finding faith. It's a whole new ball game when you bring somebody to church. I was talking to Melanie, our daughter living in London, who got initially got a job in a dress shop when she first arrived about 12 months ago. And uh, with the other girls in there talking, whatever, and, and uh, that, two of them phoned her up a couple of weeks ago and said, uh, she's not working here anymore, she's got another kind of a job, but they said, we'd love to come to church with you, can we come to church with you? And of course, you know, she took them to church uh, last Sunday it was, or the Sunday before last, and she's telling me how, uh, how bad the preacher was that day. <laughs> And my point is, you don't know how bad they are till you bring someone else and you listen through their ears. Because <laughs> you are incredibly compassionate towards whoever's up here. You know, oh, that's just him. We like him. It's okay. And then all of a sudden, someone's sitting there and you're more concerned about them than you are about that or whoever that person is up there and all of a sudden man you are dialed into this in a whole new way you're hoping that the worship leader isn't going to mess it up you know you're hoping that the songs we sing are not going to not make sense if you know what I'm talking about you're hoping that it's going to be a positive experience and you're experiencing this environment in a whole new dimension and your experience, by the way, is gold for me. I love listening to that. I love hearing that and debriefing that because that's gold to people like me. But my prayer is that you experience that. If you've never experienced it, you've got to try it. You, I mean, pay somebody just so you have that experience <laughs> if you need to. Say, so come to church, I'll give you a hundred bucks, all right? And pay them, bring them along. And then feel it, because you'll feel it through them. I've got to tell you, it's unbelievable. I, my prayer is that you have that experience. That this, this isn't a club thing. You know, go along with the club, you know. There's me old mate, you know. G'day, Zach. You know, g'day, Pete, whatever. How are you? Have a great week. See you later. I'm out of here. You come with somebody who's never been to a place like this before and you'll see it through a whole new set of eyes. Take notes and pass them on to me. I want to learn because that to me is gold. Now, we've got some things coming up that, that are going to help you uh, or make that as easy for you as we possibly can. I understand that nothing's necessarily all that easy, but you're still going to have to take a step of faith. But in a, in a couple of weeks' time, on Father's Day, we're going to have a great Father's Day celebration in the morning at night. We're going to have a bit of a, a concert with uh, Julia Grace, who's a bit of a comedian as well as a, a, a singer and a great communicator. Uh, the women are going to have her to themselves on the Friday night. That's going to be exciting because how many know when women get together and they minus the men that the frivolity in the room goes up like about 10 levels? <laughs> All of a sudden, these women start doing things that they just don't do in normal environments. But there's something about when women get together that I don't know what it is. There is this inhibition that is lost. So uh, 
you know, that's something to really, really put ladies into your calendar. That's the Friday night before Father's Day. Um, and you get those, uh, you, you, that's $10 and it's going to include all the food and the Julia uh, Grace concert and so forth. But the point behind it is that ladies, you can bring another lady to something like that. <laughs> and then you can experience that through her. Uh, and that will change who you are and change who they are, hopefully. I really encourage you to do that. The following week, we're going to have with us for the whole day, Dr. Robbie. And Dr. Robbie's going to be talking about living an extraordinary life, being an extraordinary parent in the morning and in the, in, in the evening. He's going to be talking about some kind of mental health issue, how to, uh, how to uh, get your mind in order. And the reason we're bringing Dr. Robbie for the whole day to Ipswich, and it's not a cheap exercise, let me assure you, but the reason we're doing this is not necessarily because I think, boy, you guys need it. <laughs> You need a trained psychologist bad. No, that's not the reason I'm doing it. The reason I'm doing it is so that there is some credibility that you can leverage in your ask. Come, He's a trained psychologist. He's going to be talking about this. He's written these books. He speaks all around the world. And he's in Ipswich for one day only. So it gives you some credibility. It makes the ask a little bit easier. So that's just a few weeks away. That's the week after Father's Day. I encourage you to bring them along. A few weeks after that, mid-October, the dates will be coming uh, out in the next few weeks. But, but what we're going to be doing that Sunday, there'll be no service at all in this room. Better listen up, all right? You could turn up at nine o'clock, you'll be on your own. Uh, I bet you're not, but anyhow. <laughs> but, but the doors won't be open at nine o'clock. There are two reasons for it. One reason is we are renovating this room. So the following week when you come back, they'll have new carpet. This, uh, pl this platform will be back here a little bit so we can fit more seats in. The island there where the sound desk is will be gone so we can put more seats through there. And, uh, and the most exciting of all for me Maybe the least exciting of all for you is the whole system will be changed from analog to digital. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Which will give us a whole much, bunch more control over what we can do around here. It'll take us, bring us to the 21st century. Uh, that's, that's really, really exciting. Now, just to let you know, because this is our, our vision offering, right? We, we passed the vision offering around uh, last month. We talked all about it. And uh, we're nearly, we're, the goal was $100,000. We're, we're well over halfway. So thank you very much. Well done. I've already spent the money, so I'm hoping the other half comes in, all right? <laughs> Mid-October. Mid-October. <laughs> just to let you know. Mid-October. Uh, we've, booked, we've booked the builders. The carpet guys being, being organized. Uh, the, the guys laying the cables and everything. And, uh, and so we'll have one Sunday where we'll, we won't be in this building, and that's the reason why. But we're going to leverage this, okay? We're going we're gonna to make this a win. Rather than go, oh, what are we going to do? We can't have church. It's dreadful. No, what we're going to do is we're going to have at 3 p.m. in the afternoon here on site a Centro Spring Fair. <laughs> And, and we'll have all kinds of things. You'll be able to dunk the pastor, right? Some of you have been, you've been wanting to do this a long time, right? Thinking, man, I'll throw something, get him wet, and we'll have a dunking machine, and, and you'll be able to dunk the pastor. 
We'll have sl slides and jumping castles and all kinds of things for the kids and, and other activities and, and food. You'll be able to uh, buy some food, a fairy floss, which will be given away, I believe. And uh, all kinds of stuff will happen here on site on that Saturday. But if it is the thing, oh, we're not doing this right, just so we don't have to come in here so we can do the upgrade. That's not what really this is about. What really this is about, I'd love to think that we're going to put out flyers and we're going to you know, uh, send the information out via social media, etc., etc. Advertise it through Facebook, paid advertising to reach as many people as we can. But, but I'm hoping, I'm praying, I'm believing that you will bring someone along. And, and, and you know, like when um, it, you find this in the Bible, just uh, by the way, if you want to have a look at some point in Luke 5, 5, where, where Matthew um, comes to, to faith and he gets all his tax collector mates and Jesus has this party and the tax collector mates get to meet all the disciples and find out, you know, hey, disciples of Jesus, they're actually quite normal. They're actually quite intelligent and pleasant people. That's what we're hoping will happen. So uh, <laughs> help me out both ways. Be pleasant, affable, but bring somebody uh, along. The thrill of knowing that you were instrumental in others coming to faith. There's nothing like it. There is nothing like it. Think of all the things that you can do on this earth that will matter in heaven. There's nothing that comes close to seeing another human being there. That's, folks, let's face it. We're here on the earth. There's only two things that we can do that we won't be able to do once we get to heaven, right? We'll be able to sing. We'll be able to serve. We'll be able to do all kinds of things in heaven, but we won't be able to win lost people and we won't be able to sin. So I imagine we're here for one of those two. I'll let you decide which one you think it is. <laughs> Number three. Let, 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 me, let me go through those quickly again. Number one, my first prayer is a courageous act of obedience that costs you something. Otherwise, you're going to become really vanilla, boring and predictable and, and you're not doing faith right. It's not what Jesus was about number one number two that you experience the thrill of helping others on their faith journey because there is literally nothing like it in this world number three my third ardent prayer for you is this the freedom and joy that comes from organizing your financial world around give save and live the freedom that comes from organizing your financial world around give save and live look I, I honestly want you to have stuff honestly i do but i don't want stuff to have you because i've seen how damaging how detrimental it is to people who are controlled by things jesus put it like this he said where your treasure is there your heart will be also so look at where your treasure goes look at your bills look at your budget and see where that kind of direction is headed and that will tell you where your heart is that is the greatest single thermometer of the temperature of your heart that is the greatest single map of finding your heart what a small person we become when it's all about ourselves if all my money goes to me how small am i I know that Jesus doesn't have access to all of you until he has access to every part of you. And you'll never know freedom and you'll never know peace until Jesus has access to every part of your life. I earnestly, and 
I guess this is a given, but I earnestly and honestly believe that you need a plan, a plan. This doesn't happen if you just, just let it go. Every Christian, if you're in the room this morning and you're a Christian, every Christian needs a plan to support their local church because every community needs vibrant, alive local churches. Uh, we had a, a message come through to us just this week from a woman on the east coast of America whose mother, I think it was, is in um, a critical situation just outside of Ipswich. And they're looking for somebody to help. And who do they ring? They ring the local church. Because every community needs a vibrant living local church you know when emergencies happen and the red cross and these kind of organizations have to come in and, and set up centers but the church doesn't we're already here we know the people who are hurting and we can touch them every community needs a living vibrant local church i believe that with every fiber of my being and i believe that every christian needs a giving plan now, of course, you need also a spending plan. But if you don't have a giving plan, you probably don't have a spending plan. You need to get control of that very important area of your life. Folks, this isn't some gimmick. Give, save, live is not a ploy. It gets your heart in the right place. Did you know you can't pray your heart into the right place? You can't wish your heart into the right place. If you don't plan where your heart will be, remember your treasure is there, your heart will be also, you'll find your heart in random places. You'll find your heart in places that will inevitably restrict you and bring you down. We need to make sure that our heart is firmly and safely with God. And Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart is. Your heart will follow your treasure it's the only way to experience freedom give save live give save live it's the only plan that will give you financial freedom imagine if we all got this right imagine the unlimited potential of the local church if every member of each local church got this one right I've got to tell you, folks, we can do more in our community with so much less than any government organization could ever dream of. In a couple of weeks' time, and we talk about this a little bit later this morning, but in a couple of weeks' time, we as a church want to bless one of our local schools out here at Raceview. We're very involved there. Um, our, our kids' pastor is the president of the PNC. Another one of our members is the treasurer. We've got teachers there. We're teaching RE and doing all kinds of things in that school. We have incredible favor, incredible access. In a couple of weeks' time on a Saturday, we're going to go in there and we're going to give them a free working bee. Uh, they have some things that they need to get done and you can sign up. We can talk about that a little bit later. But, but we want to be involved because we are the church and we're here to bless the city. And this city needs more local churches like this one. A church that's just not confined to itself, but wants to get out and wants to be part of the answer in its community. And, and I, I can honestly say to you folks that, that the local church can make a dollar go 500 times more than a government organization because of the passion and the commitment of the people behind it. 
My prayer for you, I honestly and earnestly pray that you will experience a courageous act of obedience that costs you something. That you will know what it's like to be instrumental in another person coming to faith. That you will live in the freedom and in the joy that comes from organizing your financial world around give, save, and live. And I've got to pray if you're here this morning and you're not a Christ follower and you're not sure about all this, I've got to pray for you. And that's that you just keep following Jesus. Did you know? You don't have to believe like I believe to follow Jesus. You don't have to believe everything in the Bible to follow Jesus. You don't have to believe what Jesus said to follow Jesus. He told his followers that he was gonna die and be raised from the dead. They didn't believe him, but they kept following him. See, sometimes we kind of think you gotta tick all these boxes, and if you tick all the boxes, you can follow. That wasn't the way it was 2,000 years ago, and I don't believe it's the way it is today. I believe you can choose to follow Jesus and be filled with questions, and be filled with amb- 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 ambiguities, and uncertainties, and doubts, and that's okay. Just keep reading what He says, just trying to do it. Reading what He says, just trying to do it. God will show Himself strong on your behalf. Just keep following Him. You don't have to tick every box. If you struggle with seven literal days of creation, just keep following Jesus. If you struggle with Noah's Ark, just keep following Jesus. Don't think that you have to have all your little theological boxes ticked and all your questions answered and believe like the pastor believes. You don't. Just read what he says and, okay, I'm going to try that. You read what he says, it's okay, I'm going to try that. Just follow. And if you're in the room this morning and probably the majority in the room, and you are a, a believer. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. You define yourself as Christian. Then my prayer for you is that you have a clarity around your next step. That you know what your next step is. Because God's not finished with us. And God's not finished with you. God has more for you than you are currently experiencing. There is another step. There is another challenge to master. Another thing to be involved in, there's there's more. And my prayer is that every one of you have clarity around your next step, where you're going. I have five prayers for you. I pray that you know what it is to have a courageous act of obedience that costs you something. I pray that at some point between now and eternity, you experience the thrill of being instrumental in another person coming to faith. I pray that you're not in bondage to the things of this world, but that you have the freedom and joy that comes from organizing your financial world around give, save, and live. That if you're not a Christian, that you know stop knocking you keep asking and if you are 
you know what your next step is. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray for you, Father. Once again, I bring before you everybody in this room. And I thank you for them, Lord. I thank you for where you've brought them, where they are right now, all the outcomes and experiences that has molded them and made them, all of the, the people and the, and the truth that has affected what they believe and how they behave. Lord, I pray this morning that you give each one of us the clarity around our next step. Lord, for those right now who have that internal voice prompting every time they pray, they feel it. Every time they worship, they know it. God, I release them this morning to that courageous act of faith. Lord, help each one of us to be praying over who we might influence for the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this podcast.